Hey Latif, this is the intro I'm recording. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Filmcraft. Today we have a special guest with us. It's Louise Lathley. She's a Vancouver-based filmmaker and she just finished filming her movie, Who Am I Now? That was shot during quarantine COVID times. Uh, it's a micro-budget feature about an LGBTQ love story, and I think that she had a lot of really, really great things to say. I know this is kind of like unusual. We don't usually do these kinds of intros, but we just really jumped into the interview, and I wanted to give you a little bit of a compass to kind of navigate where this episode's going to go. So again, name's Louise Slathley. I think she has some really great things to say, especially about shooting during lockdown and just prepping, especially considering she's a first-time filmmaker. I think her attitude and her demeanor, just outlook on the entire project was really fantastic. So I hope you guys take a lot from this episode, and I look forward to hearing everyone's reactions because I think she did a great job, and I'm really curious to see if everyone else agrees with it. Enjoy the episode. So... Uh, you know what? I'll let you introduce yourself. You know you better than I know you. So first off, thank you for being on Filmcraft, and we have a special guest today. And with that very brief introduction, take it away. Hi, uh, my name is Louise Lathy. I'm the writer and director of Who Am I Now, which is my very first feature film. Uh, it's my very first film of any kind, so I thought, why not jump in um, to the deep end and start with a feature, not a short. <laughs> that's awesome i respect that because i did that too so it's very very admirable um well i guess let's start uh at a brief beginning like why filmmaking what drew you to it okay why filmmaking okay um i i've been in love with films since i was like a little kid um and all throughout elementary school and high school i just wanted to be a part of that industry and I it was just kind of like this this fantasy world that is always so cool and I just wanted to be a part of it somehow and I started writing when I was 10 and um, my, then my writing then kind of turned into script writing and, and storytelling and that's kind of where my heart landed and I was like I really enjoy creating worlds and creating people and telling stories so um, throughout high school I took all of the film programs and writing programs that were there. Um, I went to film school after I graduated. And then it all came to a grinding halt when um, I realized, you know, it's not it's not as easy as I want to make movies and then you get a job. So um, unfortunately, you know, real life kind of kicked in and I went a totally different way with my career. And uh, I still kept writing um, every so often, but it just it was a back burner, unfortunately. And um, it wasn't until last summer that uh, I kind of needed to take a break from my real life and uh, take a step back. And I was like, what makes me happy? And I remembered how much I was in love with writing and filmmaking, the idea of filmmaking and just that that fantasy. So um, I picked up this script that I had written a really long time ago, which is Who Am I Now? Um, and it's about two women who fall in love and have to deal with the struggles of coming out and coming to terms with their sexuality. And I wrote it um, based on my experience and based on a woman that I had feelings for at the time. And uh, of course, <laughs> but uh, so I wrote it in 2008. It changed dramatically um, since then. So it, it is, is no longer recognizable as the 2008 version. 
Um, but uh, I kind of, yeah, I dusted that off and, and rewrote it a few times and was like, this is actually not bad. And I kind of want to tell this story. So um, that's where that started <laughs> last, last August. So just to frame it for the audience, you're, you're in Vancouver now. Are you from Vancouver? Do you go to BFS or where'd you go to Florida? I went to Capilano. Um, so I think it, it's Capilano University now. It was Capilano College when I was there. Um, yeah, I live in Coquitlam. I actually, um, I was born in England. I, I moved to Vancouver um, and spent about five to seven years in the Okanagan in my 20s and then came back to Vancouver. So I, I'd say I did my growing up <laughs> in the Okanagan <laughs> in my 20s. Um, but yeah, I've been back in Vancouver for a while now. And I got to say, the, t- the title, Who Am I Now? That is a great title. And just because I'm always curious about titles and for my m- newest movie, What We Don't Say, that title came shockingly late in the process. So like, how did you land on this title? Because I haven't seen, a, you don't even have a cut of your movie at this point and I haven't seen it, but it's from what you've told me what I've seen of your promotional material it just it captures what I think the spirit of your movie is going to be so well so how do you arrive at that title um so I tend to uh, listen to a lot of music to inspire my writing and um I have written entire scripts based on a line and a song and this was no different so I was listening to a song I don't even remember what it is now but the line was um where are we now and when will I be found and I was thinking like huh that's really interesting like where where am I now? Because I was in this, you know, existential crisis moment. And I'm like, where, where am I going? And who am I? And who am I now? And I was like, oh, <laughs> and I was like, my God, that's the name of this movie. Um, and the reason, so, so many people are, are, you know, miss, mistitle it and say, it's who am I? I'm like, no, no, no. It's who am I now? Because it's about, um, this particular experience that these two women are uh, facing. And I believe that life is made up of all of these different experiences. So what are they experiencing right now in this moment? Um, who are they separately together? And um, so that's why the now is super important. And yeah, mm-hmm. it just, so it kind of came from a song and then I just made it make sense to what I was doing. That's awesome. And you know what, I totally relate to that. The title for What We Don't Say actually came from a Tragically Hip song, and the course of that is The Things We Don't Say. And I remember I I pitched that title. Everyone hated it. They're like, it's too long. And all I did was change the things to what, and people are like, it's so great. <laughs> and I think it really rings true what you're saying, where the now in your title is very important. Like When you're looking at titles, every word can speak volumes and really has to matter. So yeah, I, I commend your choice. It's a great title. Oh, thank you. Um, but let's back up just a tiny bit. So you go to film school, you kind of put filmmaking on the back burner, and then you realize, you know, this is what makes me happy, so it's time to do it. Why did you dust off that script as opposed to anything else? Like, what made this project feel like, you know, this is going to be the one that gets me into it kind of thing? So, I mean, I've written about 12 feature screenplays and half of them are crap. Um, <laughs> so that's, you know, process of elimination. Some of them I was like, this is horrific. So I can't believe I wrote this. Um, but I think because I've changed so much since writing that and it was such a personal story to me that um, I, I was kind of like, I wonder if this would resonate with other people who were going through similar experiences. And that is kind of 
my almost my mantra now like i i hope that this film can help young queer people um who are going through challenging times because when i was um young going you know coming out there was not a lot of um queer representation and so i think um that was a huge part of it when i reread it and i was like oh my god i was so sad like i was i was in such a dark place and so i really wanted to um make these characters have a happy ending and um re- give them some redeemable qualities because one of the characters was just a horrible person because <laughs> you know she was based on someone who broke my heart but um so i made her much more redeemable and so yeah i wanted to tell that story and and bring it to the world and it's just i i got really into it and was like this this is great like it's actually something i'm proud of and you know as i think as writers we're kind of like oh is am i a good writer i don't know but this i'm proud of this so feel either of the characters um are, are you in a sense or did you try and like write totally fictional characters based on the experience you had? Good question. My So my two lead um, actors both kind of asked me that and we had kind of we, we did a deep dive into the characters being like, how much are, are me? Um, so there are two characters, Alex and Aaron, and um, I've always said that Alex is who I wish I was and Aaron is more who I was like so Aaron is the the character that struggles a lot with her identity um has a lot of kind of self-anger and self-loathing and that was me growing up and Alex who kind of comes to terms with things a bit more freely and is is just kind of like well this is who I am that's who I wished I was so there's definitely like a piece of me um and some of the scenes in this are they are dramatized, but they are definitely inspired from things that actually happened in my life. And uh, so as as we were shooting some of them, I was like, oh, my God, this is so weird. <laughs> but yeah, so it kind of like it started as something that happened in my life. And then I just you know fictionalized it to make it go a more interesting way than what actually happened in my life. I personally think it's good. The only advice that I give people when they're like, what should I make my first movie about is I tell them not to make it about filmmaking, like make it personal, but don't make it about a filmmaker. That's, I don't know, that I got like a mental block about that. But I think that direction you went actually sounds great. And uh, do you think that it helped you in the long run, like kind of get an extra slice of humanity or was it just more awkward for you when you were filming it than anything um honestly at this point it doesn't feel like my life anymore um I've been able to kind of disconnect from it a lot and now it's just a story that we're telling and I think that's that's um a credit to the amazing actors that I have they've taken on these personas and you know they're not mine anymore and it's so cool to kind of watch them come alive in these people so um it when I when I first was casting for this and actors came in and read these lines, I was like, oh, my God, this is such a weird experience, but also really cool. Um, but now it's like the these characters have a lives of lives of their own and they're not, you know, they're not the, the Louise show anymore. They're 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 kind of in their own world and they're real to me. <laughs> The real people. And that's one thing I couldn't agree more with. Um, when I hire actors, I always say, like, look, you know, I've kind of put this thing on the page, but I'm trusting you to bring it to life. That's why I'm hiring you. So it's not mine anymore. It's yours now. And then when this movie is done, it won't be ours anymore. It'll be the audience's. So I think I commend you for that approach. And since the conversation, this seems to be going chronologically, let's just follow that. You mentioned casting and everything. So actually, we'll back up a little bit. 
you have your script, you're like, all right, I'm doing this. This is the movie that's going to get made. What's your next step? Where do you go from there? Because I think that's where a lot of people get tripped up because it's such a daunting, like, oh, I want to make it, but how? So how did you take that first step? Um, well, I, so I was having a really rough summer last summer. And so that's why, you know, I got back into writing and I was like, okay, I want to make this. I want to give this filmmaking thing another go. You know, I'm in my thirties. Why the hell not? And uh, I'm like, nobody's going to make this script but me because why would they? So um, my, my wonderful wife actually pushed me to go to um, a woman in film networking um, like coffee chat. And that's where I met um, the producer who's working with me. And I just kind of uh, pitched the story to her. And uh, so she's in the indie world as well. She's done a lot of short films. And she was like, this is a great story. I'm like, cool, let's make a movie. And she's like, it's not that easy. <laughs> so um, she said, we need to do like a trailer, some promo stuff first. And that's kind of um, how the, the casting process began. So we shot um, a trailer in November last year. Um, and, uh, we had a really small skeleton crew and our, our small cast and just, just to kind of see if anyone cared about this story at all to, you know, give, give a taste of it to the world. Um, and then I was, oh, I'm jumping ahead a bit, but, uh, I can talk about money afterwards, but go ahead. <laughs> so that's how I got started. I, I imagine you probably had... Actually, I know you had at least a little bit of crew change up from the short to the feature that you ended up shooting, but we'll put that aside for now. And I think the bigger focus is the lead characters. So you're casting this thing that is, call it like at least reminiscent of your soul. How did you arrive on the two people and what separated them from, you know, the people you didn't hire? What was the dividing line? So um, this is just going to be a big ode to my cast and I'm going to embarrass them if they listen to this. But um, so I um, I put out audition postings and I was like, nobody's going to audition for this. Who the hell wants to be in a lesbian movie like, you know, and like the next morning I had like 20 audition tapes from for both characters. And I was like, whoa. Um, so the first tape I listened to, I was like, this one's perfect. And, and I'm, I'm like, wait a minute, I actually need to, you know, I was just so excited that people were reading my lines. Um, so I went through tape, tape after tape after tape and was like, these people are so talented, but they're not who I envisioned. They're not giving me that feeling. And then, um, my two leads, um, so Joanna Gaskell and Alicia Snee. Um, so Joanna is playing Alex. And um, I watched her tape and I was just like, oh, my God, it was like looking at my script and it was jumping off the page. And I was like, that's my Alex. And it was just a couple, the way she said some specific words. And it was just it was like, that's that's it. That's my you know, that's what's in my head. That's amazing. And then uh, the same thing happened with Alicia. And um, it was literally the way she said Alex in her audition tape. And I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and they're both like such beautiful performers um and so I took their headshots and put them side by side on my computer screen and I just stared at them <laughs> and I left the room and I came back a few times and I'm like that's yep those are them and um so I invited them both in for a chemistry read and my producer was like okay who who else are we bringing in I'm like oh no these this is it this is it for me and she's like, well, what if they're not available? Or what if, you know, some, you know, what if I'm like, nope, <laughs> this is who, this is what's happening. 
And so I brought them both in uh, for chemistry read and just was just sitting there like, oh my God, this is the coolest thing ever. They're amazing. And they both were like, okay, so like how many other people are you auditioning? I was like, oh no, you're both hired. <laughs> and they're like, uh, what? <laughs> so, you know, I think I, I'm not very good at that part, but I'm like, I knew that I wanted you as soon as I saw your face. So like, yeah, that, that was casting. I just, I fell in love with both of them. <laughs> I think that's something that people really undervalue too. Like if you see someone and you just have this gut feeling to me, at least what I do is when I get that, I'm like, okay, in my head, this is theirs to lose. Like I'll put them through a little bit of a ringer. Like, can you try X, Y, and Z just to see, you know, that they're cool people that can create with me. But really at that point, I'm like, unless you're a monster or something like this role is yours. You are the character. It's, this is good. So I think that's awesome that you managed to find them in a way that felt really organic and just concrete to you. Yeah. And, and I remember Sorry, I just, I have to tell this story a million times because I think it's adorable. But at our chemistry read, um, I was explaining to them kind of like, we're going to do a promo trailer and then I really want to make a feature, but I have no idea what's going to happen. So, um, Alicia was like, so if you get grant money or funding for this, are you going to recast us with like famous people? And the, the name she brought up was Kate Bosworth. And I was like, that is a random choice, first of all. <laughs> But I was like, no, I'm like, you're it for me. Like, if we get funding, we're doing this together. And um, I kept my word. So here we go. <laughs> Very respectable. Yeah. Um, all right. So let's jump ahead to the, the promo trailer. It's something that I think is, it's so strange because you'll see some people do it and it just works like it did for you. And congratulations on that as well but then i remember the first thing i ever worked on when i moved to vancouver was a a trailer for a horror movie and it was a pile of shit it was terrible <laughs> and i think some uh, i think sometimes it goes that way so like what first off like if you don't mind sharing what was the budget and schedule for the trailer like did you try and do it um as cheaply as possible to try and reserve money for the feature like what was your mentality going into the trailer other than we got to make something that represents what we're trying to make um my mentality was i have no idea how much this is going to cost and i'm just going to pay for it myself um <laughs> so it ended up costing me about three grand um yeah and um most of that was like food and equipment and stuff um I think most of the folks worked for free. Um, I, I think I paid some kit fees to people, but everyone was like, no, we're, let's do it, which is amazing. Um, and locations, I rented a location because we had a, a lot of club stuff. So I rented a really small venue in Vancouver, um, actually for a really good price because it was a gay club and he's like, cool, let's do it. So, which was nice. <laughs> um, so I didn't budget really at all. I just spent money and at the end I was like, shit, I should stop. <laughs> um, so I learned a lot and um, that's great. Yeah. So that's, that was the budget for the, the trailer. Cool. And one thing that I'm always really curious, because I've never done this concept of shooting a trailer for something that I want to be bigger. How did you choose what to shoot? Like, did you cherry pick the best bits? What was your thought process going into this is the snippets we're going to combine to make this teaser? Mm -hmm. It was hard. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I know this this script like inside out. So I knew the, the most dramatic parts and the most like appealing parts. And I was like, okay, we're going to take a, this piece from here and this piece from here and this piece from here. And in my head, it, you know, it looks like this really cool dramatic trailer that you see in front of a movie um, in the theaters. But in reality, um, 
shooting bits and pieces was so difficult because first of all, it's difficult for the actors because they have to get into this really dramatic moment for like two seconds. Um, and, and we had to kind of frame it in a way that made sense. But, um, so what we ended up doing for some of them was we just ran the scene, um, and then just recorded what we needed just so they, the actors could kind of build up, um, that emotion. But, um, a lot of the time I would like, can you guys just yell at each other and then say the lines? <laughs> so it was, yeah, it was really hard to do. I don't recommend it. <laughs> I mean, like, um, I, I actually wrote a trailer script, which was pretty much just voiceovers and <laughs> like bits and pieces of what I wanted. But it, I think it turned out pretty good for, for not knowing what I was doing. Absolutely. I agree. And last question, when we stick on the trailer, I'm curious, did you ever think of doing a trailer where it was like, let's just film one scene to give them that? Or was it always like, let's, you know, do the bits and pieces, glue them together kind of thing? Um, What I was thinking of doing was like a short film attached to it. And so I am not a short film writer. I commend people who can do that. It was really hard. So I kind of took the script and was like, okay, how can I make a short film out of this? And so what I thought was a beginning, middle and end was really just a dramatic scene. Um, and I took it to the actors and they're like, yeah, this is great. And then when I decided I didn't want to do it anymore, they're like, thank God. <laughs> they're like, we didn't want to say anything. Like it was really good, but it wasn't a short. And I'm like, yeah, I know. So yeah, I think everyone was happy we did the trailer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I mean, it, it worked out really well for you. Um, so Let's move on a little bit from there. You have your trailer. I You did a crowdfunding campaign. What other, and we'll get into the crowdfunding, believe me, but what other stuff did you do to try and drum up attention and, you know, funds and just everything around it? Like, what were your tactics, I guess? Well, I, everyone said to me, oh, you're going to get money, no problem, because it's a gay movie and, you know, there's tons of grants. You're, you know, you're a gay female filmmaker. You're fine. Um, I didn't get a single grant from anybody. I think I applied to about 15. Um, nobody gave me money, but um, I'm I'm incredibly lucky that my executive producer invested in this project. She's a dear, dear friend of mine. And uh, she came to set on numerous occasions, which was super cool because she actually got to see her money at work. And she was so impressed. I'm like, what did you think this was? Like a school play? <laughs> but she was just sitting behind the monitor with me like, oh, my God, it's a real movie. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> it's pretty awesome. <laughs> so um, that really helped kind of jumpstart everything. And that's how I figured out what what I was able to um, have as a budget because I started at a really stupid number that was not achievable because I'm like, why not? I'm sure I'll get it. And then I just kind of scaled down and down and, and landed on a number that was feasible. And so um, I got a business loan, which, you know, we, we all got to do that. We have to pay out of our pocket. And um, and then the GoFundMe page, which is, it's it's doing okay. But I mean, it's 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 kind of like, you know, <laughs> it's, it's not a significant part of the budget. Let's put it that way. Yeah, yeah, that's totally fair. I, the, it always blows my mind. And like I fell into this trap probably worse than anyone of my first movie. I was like, oh, I'll just throw up a crowdfunding page. It'll be fine. And then like I, I did a call it like 
low to medium amount of work. Like I didn't just put nothing up and ask for money. I did some promo videos and everything. And even still, it got no attention. Yours did quite a bit better than that. So I'm curious, like, what was your thought process going into the crowdfunding campaign? Like, did you study other successful ones? How did you choose what content to put up there? Obviously, you had the teaser trailer, which is a really great thing to have for something like that. But what did you have? What did you need to create for it? And how did you make the kind of persona that would become the crowdfunding page? Yeah, I did a lot of reading on um, how to have a successful one. And some of the big things that came up were you need to make it personal, you need to make people care. So like I was going through the crowdfunding, like the Go the GoFundMes and the Indiegogos, and I'm looking through them. And I'm like, I don't care about any of these. So why should somebody care about mine? Um, so that was my first thing is I need to make this personal. I need to get people to, to realize it's not just like Louise is making a movie. It's like, this is much bigger than that. And I think that helped a lot. Um, I, a lot of the people that donated are, uh, family, friends, coworkers, but then as soon as names come up that I don't recognize, I'm like, yes, it's spreading. <laughs> That's pretty cool <laughs> when it's like people that you don't know are donating, um, and then trying to just kind of update people, um, throw in photos and uh, videos and, you know, make them part of the process. And I do that, um, on the, who am I now Instagram page? It's pretty much just videos of me. Um, <laughs> but I, I want, I wanted to document from start to finish so that people that, um, were involved and that cared, uh, kind of came along on this ride with us because I'm learning every single day and I want them to kind of see um, how this this uh, film evolved and where it started and where it's going. So um, that's connected to the GoFundMe page. And so I just I just tried to create a community of people that cared and then hopefully they share with people that care about them and, you know, so on and so forth. I think it worked. So you, you did a good job. And again, I commend you for it. Um, one question that I have for you is it's your first time making a movie. And they, there's that quote of like the director just needs to know how to communicate their vision. Um, so when you brought creative people on that weren't the lead actors, like the behind the camera people, mainly like your cinematographer and the, the key key people, um, what was your main method of communicating what you wanted to them? Like, did you have a ton of reference movies, reference scenes? What was your visual imagery that you used to say, this is what I'm looking for? For the trailer or for the feature or for both? <laughs> both, I guess. <laughs> Let's talk about the feature. <laughs> the trailer was kind of like, I don't know what I want. Uh, I know that I want it to be pretty. Um, I didn't, you know, I just... It was winging it, um, but I had a great cinematographer for, for the trailer. Um, she did amazing work, and um, and then I had uh, I had a different cinematographer for the feature. And um, I was reluctant at first because he is a man, um, which is pretty funny. But he um, he came aboard uh, based on the recommendation of Alicia, one of the leads. And I was like, I don't know, I really want a female DP, but okay, fine. You say he's good, I trust you. So I, I had a meeting with him. And it was amazing. Like he, we talked for like three hours. We just connected instantly. And I think the first thing I said to him was, so you're a straight man. This is a lesbian film. Convince me. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm like, there's a lot of sensitive stuff in here. I need to protect my actors. Like, but he, he said to me, um, he wanted to be a director, but he wanted to tell really important stories like this one. And he knew he had no business directing it. So he wanted to help create it. And I was like, that is beautiful. I, I want you to help me create it. Um, so we we kind of um, went away and thought about the tone and the color and stuff. And um, 
I went through a bunch of films that I really liked the look of and so did he and we came back and they were identical. So we had the exact same color schemes in mind and the exact same tone of the film and that's when I knew. I was like, oh my God, this we've we've done it. This is a match made in heaven and and he hasn't let me down a single day and I have, you know, nothing but amazing things to say about him. He's he is an angel of a man and you will see when you watch this movie how beautiful it is and it is all I basically said this is what I want it to look like and he made it happened so <laughs> did you kind of feel like at any point kind of like an evil genius testing him in that way because like when you said you know sell me i think that's awesome i just did that with the producer on a horror movie i'm looking to make i gave a script that i knew i had like not holes but things that could be improved on and i sent it to a bunch of producers and i'm like the one that's going to be the right producer is going to call me out on this and i'm looking for that kind of connection same where and it's very blunt in that way so again commend you for it but like going through your head where you're like let's let's really test this guy let's see what's up yeah, I mean, I didn't want to be like an asshole, but <laughs> I was I was like this this first of all, this is incredibly close to me and important to me. And if I'm going to have one of, you know, the outside of my role, one of the most kind of important key creative roles in this be a, a man, it needs to be a man that is on the same level as me and on the same page and gets it. Not that there's anything wrong with men. Like, I don't want this to come across as like a man-hating thing, but I just, you know, it's a story about women. So I needed it to be a man that understood that. Um, so yeah, a little bit, I was like, okay. Um, but honestly, as, as soon as I, he opened his mouth, I was like, oh, this is, this is such a like soft human. I don't know how to describe it. He was just so approachable and so wonderful to talk to. And so my evil geniusness just kind of disappeared as soon as he um, said the, the thing that he said about wanting to create stories. So I was like, oh, OK. <laughs> Sounds like a match made in heaven. I'm glad you found him. All right. So um, I'll leave this as a very, very general question. But just tell what do you when if I was to ask what was pre-production like? What are your, the stories that stick out to you? Where's your mind go? <laughs> Pre-production was horrible, mostly because, um, so I had to scale my budget down really, really minimally. Well, minimally for a feature film. Um, and I was basically like, well, I can do all of these things. I don't need half of these people that you one would hire, like a locations manager, like a first AD in production, in pre-production. I was, I was literally not going to hire a first AD or a scripty for the feature for like production. And then I, I realized that would have been the dumbest thing ever. But um, so basically I had to teach myself everything from scratch because I went to film school like a million years ago uh, all the technology has changed um, a lot of things are different so I just jumped on the internet and was like all right how do we do this um, so I'm, I'm lucky because I have my education is in uh, criminal justice and law enforcement and so I had to teach myself different areas of law uh, which it, you know is is a, an area that I am interested in so it wasn't so painful but I had to teach myself contract law and entertainment law to make sure that um, I was going down the right path and the contracts that I were creating were not you know illegal <laughs> um, 
I had to figure out how to location scout. Um, what else did I have to do? Scheduling. Oh my God, it's awful. Scheduling people is really hard. Budgeting is really hard. So I, I honestly did most of it myself and uh, it was exhausting, but I'm also a control freak. So I, I'm like, if I give this to someone, they're going to do it wrong anyway. Oh, my dogs are jumping and playing. <laughs> um, yeah, it was horrible. I hated it, but it, it's necessary. Like pre-production is necessary. And um, it was something that, took, you know, I worked on for basically, I would say since last August, you know, that's when I started. Um, as, and as soon as we were done the trailer um, in December is when I like jumped on seriously and was like, okay, we're making this movie next summer. I don't care what's happening. And everyone's like, okay, sure, sure. Um, but I'm like, no, I, I, you know, the two days that it took to shot to shoot the trailer, I was like, I love this. I want to keep doing this. So we need to make this happen. So it was a lot of work. Um, I highly recommend getting people to help you if you can. All right. And since we're pretty much at that section chronologically, we got to mention, and I know you're sick of talking about it, but you shot this during the height of, well, height in the midst of coronavirus. Um, and since you mentioned like in December is when you fully committed, right after that is when this thing kind of started picking up steam. So can you just talk a little bit about like, your headspace of you're trying to prep this thing in this unknown illness making people sick and then it really hits and you're still committed to doing it what was the whole timeline virus wise like for you um so yeah it's december is when i was like this is happening uh january is when i started location scouting and i think i booked all of most of my locations in february um so we were going to hold a big fancy fundraiser in march which was going to be a significant part of our budget because we had um, silent auction items and a DJ and a dance party and alcohol and it was going to be a big deal. And um, up until the week before, I was like, no, we can do it. We need to, we need this money. And then I was like, this is stupid. Like, it's going to be number one, a waste of money because no one's going to show up. And number two, it's not safe. So we canceled um, the fundraiser. And that's kind of when I was like, okay, this is a big deal. This is going to change a lot. Um, but I was planning on shooting in the summer. So I'm like, I'm sure everything will be fine by the summer. You know, it's, it's no big deal. It's just a pandemic. Um, <laughs> and then everything started shutting down. Um, so all of my, um, all of the meetings I was having with people turned online. Uh, we did about three table reads via Zoom, which is really weird. Um, again, I commend my actors for committing to their characters while staring at the computer screen. It's very hard. Um, but I just kind of kept going along because I'm like, something's got to give. Like, it's we can still do this somehow. And then the film industry shut down. And I was like, OK, well, we don't really count because we're independent films. So, like, it's just the big <laughs> film industry. <laughs> and everybody is like, you need to postpone this. Like, my wife is like, you know, it'll still be here next year. And I'm, I'm just... I think because I'm really stubborn and I was so invested. I'm just like, no, we can do this. And I I remember like every time I went to a store, I bought a bottle of hand sanitizer and I just started stocking up on stuff. And I'm like, I'm I'm getting ready for it. And uh, I, I wrote my COVID safety plan before that was even a thing. So like I was just prepping as much as possible. And then the, the premiere was like, OK, phase three, June, that's when the film industry can open back up. And I was like, OK, cool. This is progress. And June was when we were going to shoot. So uh, May rolls around and I'm like, okay, we're not ready. So I pushed us to July and then I pushed us to August. But 
I just, I wasn't ready to give up until somebody was like, you're not allowed to leave your house and we're taking all of your money. Um, <laughs> I'm like, until somebody says that, I'm going to keep going. And honestly, the pandemic wasn't the hardest part <laughs> to navigate. I believe that. I definitely believe that. So before we jump further into production, I got to ask if you're okay talking about it. What made you say not ready in June, not ready in July? Um... I think because there was there was a couple of locations that uh, wanted to back out, and that's fair because they didn't want a bunch of people in their their space. So I had to get um, to get new locations, and uh, I was panicking about budget. Um, so when I say that COVID wasn't the worst thing, uh, I was challenged with budget, with um, unions, with um, I don't want to say like I don't want to speak ill. But uh, that was a huge um, hurdle and scheduling and just uh, and one of uh, one of my actors was also starting school. So we had to kind of navigate around that. Um, but it was just like so many things started going wrong that COVID was like, uh, stick a mask on us, we'll be fine. But like all these other things. <laughs> so, yeah, it was just navigating a lot of other problems. And so I was like, I don't want to go into this. Um, not ready and fail. I'd rather know that I'm ready and not let anybody down. So that's kind of why. And I think it worked out. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Again, uh, the the attitude is amazing. And congr- congratulations. And I'm so happy you have that, you know, this is happening attitude and have that in a way where you're not willing to risk people's safety like oh it's fine don't worry about it you you did it right and yeah good on you um so let's jump forward into production you push it from june to july to august and then what made you say okay yeah now we're ready obviously you're fighting the clock with your actor going back to school so i would imagine that's you can't do september so august probably is like the last sliver of here's when this can happen but what else like did everything just kind of start falling into place with locations and it all just lined up or um yeah locations definitely everything fell into place with locations um with cast and crew it was um a couple of like nail-biting moments were uh permits and uh union and honestly two weeks before we were going to camera is when things were finalized and good. And I was, I was panicking because I'm like, I need to be right with the union and sign things and we need to come to an agreement and I need a permit for this thing. And I was kind of panicking a little bit. So um, to say things all fell into place would be lying because (laughs) they, I mean, they did, but at the very possible last moment. And same with the budget. Um, I wasn't sure if I was going to get all the money I needed. And then I was able to. So uh, I don't know, all the stars aligned at the same time. And it was like, okay, the union sent me what I needed. I got the permit and then I got the budget. And I was like, thank God. Um, And now I'm like, now I can deal with COVID. Now COVID doesn't feel so bad. So um, kind of navigating through the work safe BC plan and making sure we had everything in line there. So your uh, your masks, sanitizers, cleaning products, uh, making sure people are looking after their equipment properly and uh, t- taking people's temperatures and all of that fun stuff. So yeah, the least fun part of it. Um, so I got to ask just because the audience loves hearing about it. Camera nerds, especially what'd you shoot on? What'd I shoot on? A red. 
Was that a specific choice from you or the DP or is it just what he had? Like, how'd you arrive at that? It's actually what he had. And, uh, but I had watched uh, some other things that he shot on it. I was like, oh, it's beautiful. I love it. So it worked really well. And uh, it's such a nice camera. <laughs> Perfect. That's great. <laughs> All right. So let's jump for jump into production, I guess. Uh, first question, how long did you shoot for? Um, we shot 13 days over four weeks and... That's, I'll talk about scheduling as well, actually. So, and the union mm -hmm. and all of that fun stuff. So, um, this is a love story. There are a number of intimate scenes in it. There are a number of, of kissing scenes and, and that there's, you know, there's implied sex and nudity and all the fun stuff. So the union was very concerned by all of the intimate and close contact, which is fair. So we had to figure out how to do that and keep everybody safe and keep the union, um, happy and, you know, not compromise the story. And so the union, I keep saying the union. I, <laughs> I'm not speaking ill. I, if they are listening, I'm not no, speaking no. ill, <laughs> but, um, they were concerned. And so, uh, they asked if I could remove some of those scenes. Um, and I said, no, um, I was like, if I have to remove the, the key sex scene in this, I'm not shooting the film because it is hugely important to the story. And my actors felt the exact same way. So we kind of figured out, um, how to do it. And we basically shot all of the key sex scenes on the first day, um, mm -hmm. so that the, the actors could isolate for two weeks prior. And, uh, my heart goes out to them. It was an exhausting day. And, you know, everybody thinks, you know, sex scenes are so much fun to shoot. They're really hard. They're like stunt sequences. Right. So, um, it was, it was a lot of work. Everyone was exhausted, but they did it and they look beautiful. And I'm so proud and happy that I have these wonderful talented people that were like, let's do it. If this is what we need to do, let's do it. So, that was uh, day one. <laughs> uh, so, you know, way to break the ice with everybody. <laughs> All right. I, I'm going to jump in with a question. I'm going to jump in with a question real quick there. Um, on the note of like, you know, people think shooting sex scenes are fun. The first thing I said when I shot one is like, this is the least sexy thing I could ever think of. It, it's not an attractive thing at all. And one of the things that I think is super important because it's, while it isn't attractive at all, it's still very vulnerable, especially for the people acting it, right? So like, what kind of conversations did you have with them in terms of, you know, here's how we're going to do it. What are you comfortable with? Just all of that, that scope, like, what'd you talk about? So basically when I was planning this, I had no intention of doing any kind of, uh, like over PG type stuff. I was, I was like, I don't want any nudity. I don't need any, you know, any over the top stuff. And then the scenes kind of evolved as I uh, started working with the actors and we just kind of were naturally like, Hey, maybe it'd be cool if we did this or show this part of your body. And it was just a natural conversation. And on every step of the way, I was like, basically I said to everyone, like the, the safe word is I'm uncomfortable. You don't have to give me any type of reason why just tell me and we don't do it. And so that's kind of how we went along navigating all of these scenes. Um, they all had nudity writers so that we went through scene by scene and moment by moment, what exactly we had agreed upon. And if they wanted to change anything on the day, they were allowed to, I'm like, I don't care that this is a contract. This is your body on an image that people will see. So, that was kind of, you know, I, I feel like they trusted me, so we were good. Um, 
but it it just kind of yeah it evolved naturally and there is a lot of skin um and but it's it's in a way that is just it's so artistic and beautiful and that was also really important to me that I don't want it to be like a lesbian sex scene and that's why people see the movie I want it to, to be resonate with people being like this is a really romantic beautiful you know vulnerable thing that's happened between these two people and it that's what it looks like and yeah I just just kind of just watching them shoot it I was like oh my god this is beautiful so yeah I'm again very very fortunate to have such wonderful actors who trusted me and who were vulnerable and who just went with it and also kind of improvised stuff and added stuff on the day that I was like are you sure okay (laughs) um and yeah making sure uh that was all a closed set um I kind of made dividers for crew that didn't need to be there. I was like, if you don't need to be next to me um, watching the monitor, I, I would rather not see you at all. Um, and and that was the case with any type of vulnerable scene, any of the um, intense emotional scenes. Um, I was like, you guys don't need to be here for this. Like this is, you know, somebody is breaking down in front of us. We, we don't need an audience, so to speak. Um, and uh, in the room for the intimate scenes, it was just um, just the cinematographer. And um, that was that was at their request. And I'm like, absolutely. So I was behind the monitor with the necessary people. And uh, I bought them both robes because I'm like, I want to make sure you're covered. And uh, yeah, it was it was it was a lot of fun, um, but it was exhausting. So that's my long winded way of explaining that. <laughs> no, I think that's great. I, I legitimately think that the only way to do those successfully is with that amount of respect that you approach it with. So I think that's really great. I, you know, you always hear the horror stories of big Hollywood productions and actors will show up and it's like, you know, show this and that they didn't talk about that. And I can't even imagine doing that, especially because when you're working with someone in a film like this, you know, you become friends with them, you become really close with them. And just to even begin to take that journey of making a movie together to not treat it in a way that has that level of confidence and respect in them, it seems so wrong so again very glad oh that. absolutely um, yeah i was more scared to shoot these scenes than they were <laughs> they kept saying that to me they're like i think you're more nervous than we are i'm like yep you're absolutely right <laughs> oh that's great um so one question that i have personally out of just sheer curiosity is why did you break up the shooting days obviously i'm not talking like broken up with weekends like they were chunks in four weeks you mentioned you said yeah that. so so I had my schedule all lined up with the, it was actual like normal days, like Monday to Friday. I think we were doing three days, three weeks. Uh, I had to cut down two days for budgetary reasons, unfortunately, which added uh, more hours on the other days. But the reason we had to do that was um, in order to get these isolation weeks um, prior to day one, we had to do it on the particular week in August that we shot. And uh, one of the actors was still in final exams in school. So we were literally shooting around her final exam schedule. And I, every day I was like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> like, I don't know what is in your brain right now. There were probably so many different things. So we had Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, where she's shooting these really intense scenes. And then Thursday, Friday, she to go write some exams. So she's a hardworking woman. Um, and then I think the following week we had a regular Monday to Friday. And then, yeah. 
the other, it was also due to location availability as well, I think as well, but yeah, it was it, not ideal, but I think it was a nice break though first, cause we were doing a lot of intense stuff. So having kind of a four day weekend was, was good for people. Yeah. And that's my follow up question. Like, how do you think it impacted production? Did it benefit you in a way where you got a breather or did you find it kind of, for lack of a better term, like took the wind into your sails a little bit because you had that little bit of a break. Like what, how did it feel doing? Um, I didn't feel like I had a break at all because when on the days where we weren't shooting, I was prepping wardrobe and props. (laughs) Um, and I was just like, okay, I want to get back on set and ready to go. So no, there was, there was no like moment where I was like, okay, I'm going to take a breather. Um, maybe like, you know, five minutes on a Sunday or something, but no, my momentum kind of kept going and I just was in this, you know, state of exhaustion for a month. <laughs> That's totally fair. Um, so I'm going to kind of do this similar to what we did with pre-production when, other than the stuff we talked about, when production comes to mind, like what are the tidbits that you think the listeners would find most interesting? What comes to your mind as like, this was a standout kind of moment in production? I'll talk about the hard stuff first. <laughs> so mm-hmm. when, um, I, I was very silly in thinking that I could take on so many different roles. So I did wardrobe, I did props, I did locations, I did food. I was the first aid person. Um, basically everything outside of the AD world and the script world and the the uh, the tech guys, I did everything else. So um, it, that was incredibly hard because doing that and then on top of directing uh, and producing and being the writer making changes to the script as, as needed throughout. It was like, um, I, I hated my name at the end of it because so many people were like, call Louise, Louise, what are this and this and this? And there was a few moments where I was like, can I just have five minutes of nobody talking at me, please? So if you can uh, get more people to do those things, uh, my wonderful wife helped with a lot of the wardrobe. Um, but like I was going shopping with the actors and it was horrible because I hate shopping. <laughs> And I'm like, this looks fine to me. Just let's get it. Um, And uh, yeah, like my uh, Alicia, we literally spent four hours in a mall and I think ended up with one dress. And I was like, this is awful. (laughs) So, and she's not a fan of shopping either. So not a good experience. Um, So that that was like, basically I I took on more than I could handle. And um, I learned a lot from that. And I would never do it again, but I had to at the time. So I think everyone's going to learn that for themselves. Like, you know where your limits are, you'll figure it out there. I think there was not a single day where I didn't uh, take a moment and like have a bit of a breakdown. And um, I did it privately so I didn't yell at people because <laughs> I'm like, I don't want to be that person that just loses it on somebody for something stupid because everything else is stressing me out. Um, That's a good thing. Yeah. That's a good so thing. I definitely took on more than I could handle, but that's that's okay that's over that's done um i think that what stands out is the lighting of some of the shots so i have particular ideas in my head we have some club scenes uh and the same with the intimate scenes i'm like there's specific lighting that i want to see and uh, i walked into the space where we were having our nightclub and it was like looking inside of my head it was crazy and it's just it's just these beautiful blues and pinks and oranges and I'm like this is exactly what I wanted and and that's what I say when you know I'm talking about my cinematographer his name's Bray Jorstad and um Bray and I had amazing uh pre-production meetings and I was like this is what I want it to look like and it was like to a T exactly what I wanted it to look like so that was probably one of the coolest moments being like 
you did it. Like you did everything <laughs> the right way. And it's amazing. Um, and then something that, that is really cool is um, all of the actors are very into improvising stuff. And I know some directors might hate that, but I love it because it means that they're taking their characters and making them their own and saying, you know, oh, I don't think Alex would say this or this isn't, the, you know, the type of uh, the type of word here that makes sense for this character. And and I'd be like, oh, yeah, you're absolutely right. And I think like 2% of the time I'd be like, actually, I'd prefer to keep it. But the majority of the time I was like, no, I love that idea. Let's do it. So just kind of having that natural organic creative process like all the way through was really cool. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed just watching them, you know, take these people out into the world, so to speak, and and make them their own. It was really cool. Sounds like you had a great time. And it sounds like you definitely had the kind of the experience that a lot of indie filmmakers have where I, again I did the same thing on what we don't say it's like yeah I can do wardrobe I don't have money to hire someone it's clothes it'll be fine and then I remember we were screening the movie at Calgary and there's one scene where two of the lead characters are wearing red and at a Q&A they were like what's what's the symbolism there I'm like the symbolism is I didn't have any money and I planned out all these costumes in advance we got to set I'm like why are you both wearing red and they're like well that's what we landed on I was like fuck i don't remember that well we're here we yeah that totally it. happened as well um we had one one character in uh blue jeans and the other character in blue jacket and then uh green jeans and green jacket so they were like opposites it was so funny so i'm like screw it let's let's own this and so i like took a picture and put it on instagram and i was like this is what happens when you're tired <laughs> but yeah whatever <laughs> no one will that's notice awesome. except us i think that's that's awesome so how long has it been since you guys wrapped because i think we were scheduling this podcast interview and you still had a couple days left so how long has it been now what day is it tuesday yeah last thursday before we started recording you mentioned something and it's something that i've talked about before too that i think is people either don't like talking about or it's just not in the filmmaking zeitgeist for some reason but it is such a bummer when you rap like you're at a high the entire time. And I'll never forget after finishing my first movie, the next day I went back to my day job and I was like, this sucks ass. I want to be shooting movies. <laughs> so what was it like for you? Yeah. I mean, I was preparing myself because I knew that, that I would be really sad. Um, Cause you're just on this adrenaline high for the whole time. You're being super creative. You're spending lots of time, really close personal time for long days with all of these people like they're literally all there for you. <laughs> um, and I, I knew that it was going to be really rough. And basically on our last scene, uh, Bray, the cinematographer comes up to me and he's like, I think this is our last setup. And I'm like, no, I'm sure we have like six more. I'm sure that like, I'm maybe I should write another scene or something in the eighties. Like, no, we're done. <laughs> and I'm like, Oh God. So then we, you know, we show wrapped all of the actors and we show up to the film. And, uh, I, there's a running joke that I always have something to say. So whenever the AD did safety meetings in the morning, she'd be like, do you have something to add? And I'm like, of course I do. Um, so on this, she's like, do you have something to add? And I was like, I have nothing left to say. I was just like, oh, this has been the most amazing experience of my life. And I cried and, um, it was really cool and just bear hugs all around. And it was, it was overwhelming and, and devastating, but also I was like, I am so proud of what we've done. And the next day I woke up and I was like, okay, time to go back to reality, but that's okay because we have a movie. <laughs> I think that's a, 
That's deeply poetic. <laughs> so you're getting into the edit now, and obviously, you know, you've been wrapped for four days, so you're not too far into it. But um, one thing I wanted to ask is, like, you're, you've obviously gone through pre-production and production at this point. What was your thought process and viewpoint on editing? Were you kind of just like, you know, let's schedule this, let's shoot it, I'll worry about that later? Or have you had kind of a, a bigger plan for here's how it's going to get edited, here's my post sound, my post whatever people? Like, what did you plan in advance? What are you kind of leaving to the moment? Uh, well, money. Um, <laughs> I was like, I'm not going to worry about that until, you know, let's worry about just shooting the movie. So, uh, definitely the post-production budget is zero. Um, but as we were shooting in my head, I was like, I know exactly how I'm going to cut from this to this, to this, to this. So I would make sure that we got specific uh, pickups of things or um, like B-roll of stuff. Cause I'm like, I need this here and this here. So I knew exactly what I wanted this to look like. Um, kind of halfway through, I was like, maybe I should hire an editor because it's, it's going to be a lot of work and you know, it's going to be, um, it's going to basically, yeah, it's going to be a lot of work. And so I started emailing a couple of editors and uh, we continued on in the production. And I was like, there's no way. I'm like, I can't give this to anybody. Um, like, I know, I'm sure these people are amazing editors, but it's still not going to be exactly how I want it to look because I'm not doing it. And again, I am a control freak, but I'm like, this is my baby and I need to bring it home with me. You know, <laughs> I'm like, I can't give this away to anybody to do so. Um I am crazy and editing the film. Um, I haven't had a, like you say, we've been wrapped for four days. I have no concept of time. Um, <laughs> I'm like, I feel like I just sleep when my body stops moving. Um, and then I get up when my puppy is like, it's breakfast time. So yeah, I'm tired, but I'm so excited to like jump, jump in here and start editing because you don't get that opportunity to really experience it when you're shooting you're like yeah that scene was awesome you know give me a bit more of this next time you you're busy directing and now I get to kind of be a viewer and I'm just like oh my god these these people are so talented like I I, I say that a lot and they're probably like shut up but like there's there's a lot of emotional scenes in this and just looking at the dailies I'm like my heart is breaking and and I'm like these, these people are getting you right right here. And I really hope that the audience gets that too. But just being able to watch it, being like, yeah, uh, this is going to be awesome. <laughs> well, once it's cut together and, you know, you have whatever release it's going to have, we should have you back on for a follow-up because I'm very interested to see how... Because scripts and movies take different lives. Like you have your script, your pre-production, your production, and then it'll take on a whole other life in editing. So I think it'd be really interesting to have you on and see you know, if you cut X or you cut Y or you focused on this kind of thing. I'm, I'm very interested to see where you go with it. Um, I know it's very early in the editing process, but I asked you this before we started rolling on the episode. What's your, call it dream timeline for finishing? This um, I would like to get a really rough cut done by the end of September so that I can then pass it on to um, people that know what they're doing in other areas like sound and color because I do not know any about that. So my on location sound person is going to be my post sound because every time we shot something I was like Did, is, is this a problem? Is that noise going to be a problem? She's like I can fix it in post no problem. I'm like I'm so glad that like we're doing that because you know passing that on to a post a sound person they'd be like what the hell is this? But she knew her limitations and what she could fix mm. and what she couldn't which was really cool. So like we didn't have to reshoot a scene because she'd be like, no, no, I know how to take that out. It'll be fine. 
Um, and so like now as I'm going through the dailies, I'm like, oh, there's like a pop and a click here. She's like, it's fine. That's easy to take out. So I was like, sweet. Yeah. So yeah, (laughs) it is. So yeah. And end of September, I'd like a rough cut. Um, I, I, I I probably like 25% cut right now. Um, and there's some specific scenes that's, um, uh, some of the actors I want and we've agreed on uh, their approval for. So uh, the intimate scenes, um, basically I'm cutting them the way I want them. And then the actors get the final say because it's their bodies, as I said before. Um, and so that will be um, kind of the next step is once I've cut all that together, we'll have our meeting and we'll see if they're happy with uh, what I present. Um, and yeah, I would, I, it's definitely going to be done this year. There's no way I'm letting this go till 2021. Um, and uh, yeah, December is, I think, the absolute max deadline for all of it. That's great. And I would imagine you've at least thought a little bit about it. You can do some festivals. If they still exist. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, like I, I have a list of festivals I wanted to submit to, but now I'm like, do they, are they even, I have no idea what the, the world is going to look like next year for festivals. I sincerely hope they do exist and I hope you get into all of them. And when we have you on for the follow-up, I'm sure we'll be just dazzled by the (laughs) success you've had with it. Oh, I hope so. All right. Well, yeah. um, Until we have you on next time, do you have any final tidbits or anything you'd like to leave the audience with in this episode? Oh my God. (laughs) um it's okay if you don't oh i just i think that for me this has been such a learning experience um for for people that are like i want to be a director um i was young and naive and stupid when i thought that i had no idea i was like i just want to make movies and then you know no big deal but there is so much work that goes into this um when you're watching like a large budget film and you see a thousand names on the end credits and you're like what the hell do all these people do they're all very very important and in, in, in the indie world, you don't get, you know, three quarters of them. So um, I think don't ask people to work for free if you can help it because um, they deserve so much more than that. And learn how to communicate. Um, directing actors is a whole language in itself. And I learned that throughout, um, like even the difference between the way that the two actors communicate. Um, I learned a lot just by you know, talking to them, having our meetings and like, you know, this is how you get this performance from this actor and and this actor. And so learn different communication styles. Um, You're not always going to be right. Uh, Like I am, I am the boss. I'm the director, the producer, whatever. But there were many times where I was like, no, your idea is better than my idea. And that's okay. Um, And I mean, you get the final say because you do, but collaboration is so important especially in this creative world. Um, Like, I don't think that I am the best writer in the world, but um, it's really cool to have your words spoken and to literally have these two actors on saying they'll work for free because they believe in the content and they believe in the story. Um, And so I think you need to find people that give a shit and you will make something amazing. Uh, like literally before I had a budget, my two leads were like, no, we're in, we, we love this. And I don't know if they're going to listen to this or not. They know how much I care about them, but I'm going to say it anyway. I could not have done this without Joanna and Alicia. So I love you both. Um, yeah. Take care of your people. 
<laughs> that's fantastic. I think it's great advice to end on. And I love the passion that's coming off of you. Like I, we're not in the same room, but I can feel it radiating through the screen. So I can't wait. To <laughs> it's probably just sweat. It's wait. very warm. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can't wait to see the final, the final finished product. Yeah.